BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. It's Heather Dubrow telling you to check out Heather Dubrow's World on Podcast One. Every week, we discuss the hippest, hottest news trends in health, wellness, parenting, style, and so much more, including all things housewives and botched. Download new episodes of Heather Dubrow's World on Thursdays and Fridays on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. Okay, so welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And tonight I'm really excited to be joined by Dr. Venus. Well, I've been following you for a while and you're a number one best-selling author. You're an incredible, what I call no bullshit kind of advice, female entrepreneur. And I love your advice on your book on how to survive and thrive. And in the age of bullshit, which is sort of my life motto, really, extremely excited about the topic we chose today, which is why marriage doesn't work for women. I'm fascinated. So kick it off. Thank you for that introduction. I shall take you everywhere with me to introduce me to people. So I'll just keep you in my back pocket. I appreciate that very, very much. And so when we decided to do the podcast, your producers had originally reached out to my, your people reached out to my people. And we were kicking the idea of infidelity back and forth, this sort of idea of, okay, like, that's a cool topic. Let's talk about that. And I thought to myself, you know, in order for us to really dive in to the inner workings of a partnership, of a marriage, we really need to understand its ideology. We need to understand its history. In order to really dissect what's happening in a relationship, we have to kind of go into how it evolved as an institution. So marriage is an institution made by men for men. So I'm going to say that again. Marriage is an institution made by men for men. It works for men. 
I want to caveat that with this isn't a bash on men. We need men in order to help reshape this institution. So in every quality of life measure that we've seen, a study done from the 1970s all the way up to 2022, men benefit from marriage. So they get more sex than their single counterparts. They live longer. They report a higher quality of life. And they report even making more money. And you can only imagine, Davey's got a family to feed. He's got a baby on the way. Got to promote him. Conversely, since the 1970s all the way up to 2022, with the same quality of life measures, women come out on the opposite end of the spectrum. Women die sooner from marriage. Women report less quality of life. They report less sex quality than their single counterparts, and they make less money. And you could see that, surely. Susie's pregnant. Yep, she's not going to be with the firm much longer. Can't promote her. So you can really see how systemically that marriage is an institution made by men for men. So that's a lot to, <laughs> to, to, to kind of take in because I don't think we usually think of it that way because inevitably you have some red pill sexist man come on and say, well, I got taken for everything in my divorce, blah, 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 blah. And that's not true either. Divorce also hurts women. Financially, quality of life, everything. Now you're a divorcee. So this idea that somehow like women are benefiting from marriage, women are benefiting from divorce, it just isn't true. Now, you you being divorced once perhaps, one time? Yes, I'm uh, one time divorced. What is the difference between your marriage then and your marriage now? Well, they're night and day. I mean, first of all, I'm 46 now and I, w- I was 20, whatever it was, 25 then. But I mean, I, I'm actually, I'm sort of digesting everything you just said to me because I'm like, okay, I actually thought it would be completely different. I mean, if these are actual facts that you're working off, which I, you know, you, you, you're saying they are, that I'm shocked. Men get more sex than they do single, especially with apps and everything else today and the numbers game they seem to play, that it works for men because men spend their whole lives complaining about marriage and the ball and chain. Well, that's no. So that's that's the rub is that that we've convinced women that that's what they want. And we've convinced men that perhaps that's not what they want. So I don't want to get married. I don't want to have this ball and chain. I don't want to do this. And she's like, please choose me, choose me. Of course we need this brainwashing. Otherwise, women wouldn't go down for this. And they're not, by the way. People are getting married much later in life or they're not getting married at all. And the newest research points out that single women, no kids, are the happiest subset of humans on the goddamn planet. Explain that. Well, I would agree with that, having got three kids myself. You know, <laughs> so I, I understand how easy, you know, look, I've I've chosen a complete 180 on my life. I, my husband is 20 years younger than me. I'm doing, I'm doing me for the first time, but I've come out of, you know, 
going to boarding school since I was six to 18, being told what to do, having a, you know, very dominant husband and not now having a partner that I have fun with. So I am having a completely different life with my kids, but I do understand. And I do see my girlfriends that aren't married, you know, but it's a different set of problems because obviously a lot of times they would like to be married or have the companionship. I think the way we have a marriage or view marriage, if it hadn't been my my marriage now with Sergio, who's so much younger than me, there is no way I would have run down the aisle. I have absolutely no intention of getting remarried, nor was I in a hurry to do so. But, you know, obviously it's his first marriage. So, you know, again, this is, this is, something for him or us so that I think when you have a much younger husband, you know, it's so that he's not thought of as the toy boy the whole time, you know, that you give him, you know, you bring someone onto an equal playing field as you. Well, that's another, another thing. So, you know, your marriage to Sergio is discussed perhaps in, I mean, you yourself discuss it with an age difference. Mm -hmm. If it were flipped, if you were a man, no one would bat an eyelash at that. No, that no. would be typical. That would be typical for a man who is in his 40s to marry a woman in her late 20s, right? That would be accepted by society. If not typical, we wouldn't be talking about it in such a way. Now, when you do see a, mid, a, a woman in her midlife and a younger man, that's a great thing. You know why? Because it means the resources are being distributed properly. The only reason why older men marry much younger women is they have the resources to do so. So whenever I see a woman in her midlife marrying a young man, I am just cheering her on because you know that there's a, there's a power dynamic shift happening in society. So you're very different. You and I are very different than let's say we're affluent people. Let's just be honest. We're affluent people. So our marriages are going to look different. The perhaps majority of women, they are not in our position. They are in a two household income, barely making it. She's not only working, but she's also doing most of the child rearing, doing all of the house cleaning, doing all of the work, all of it. Because he was taught that his paycheck is all he needs to bring home. And you have generations of this. It's not his fault. It isn't. This isn't like, oh, you know, the men suck. They're just doing what they watched for generations. He watched his father do that and his grandfather do that and his great great grandfather do that, bring home the paycheck. And that was all they were responsible for. So that doesn't work for men either because then they're told that that's all they are worthy for is their paycheck. Now, in the newest studies that have come out, a woman who makes more money than her husband also does more of the child rearing, does more of the housekeeping. She's doing everything. Guess what he's doing? Less. He's making less money. He's doing less childcare. He's doing less housework. He's doing less. And so in order for, for the, the institution of marriage to really survive. We have to look at how to make marriage work for the everyday woman. I was just- Does thinking, that make sense? No, it makes sense because actually I've just had my 
children's birthdays, all of them. I, obviously, I've got twins. So, you know, it's sort of, it, and they were all born in the same month. So I had three to organize and my twins don't like to have it the same day. And actually, and I, and you know, then obviously Christmas has been, and I was thinking about it because all I do is I send my ex-husband half a bill, right? For everything. And I was like, but I've organized it. My secretary's got done the invitations, done the list, done the, you know, gift list, wrapped everything, done everything. And all I've had to do, all he's had to do is pay half the bill because that's my ex-husband, obviously. And I'm thinking to myself, how have I got roped in that I do absolutely everything still to this day for all of them, including him now? Well, it's very typical that the woman takes on 80% of the emotional labor. What you're dis- what you're talking about is thought labor, emotional labor, physical labor. Women take all that on. So and, and that usually doesn't even matter what socioeconomic status you're in. Like you were just saying, you you plan the whole entire thing and then he got sent half the bill. What what price would you put on your time? Well, you can't, you can't. And I think that was part of it because when I look back now, so often, you know, I, I, I work like a crazy person and, you know, especially now I've got, I'm work with God knows how many brands and whatever I do in the podcast and shoe line. And now, you know, housewives, I'm off the charts busy yet. I still have to organize all this stuff for his house. And I, I do stupid things, by the way, like we have one week, one week childcare and I will f- have my my house photographs the clothes going over to his house so that his housekeeper knows what to repack to give him back to my house. So <laughs> nothing is organized by him. I do all the clothes shopping for all the children and send him the bills. I do all the organization because I do have a team of people that here that work for me. But actually, you know, not only do I have to pay those, it's them. It's not even about them. It's about the headspace it actually takes up. Oh, yes. Directing traffic is yeah. worse than being in it, mm-hmm. right? If you, you're, you're directing where all these people have to go. It can be worse than just sitting there. So I totally understand that. And I and this, by the way, isn't in marriage. This is in your divorce. No, I'm divorced, yeah. this I'm still doing this that's in what divorce. I'm, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm doing- You're still- Yeah. 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 And on top of it, like now I'm organizing, I got them into camp. I got them all, you know, everything done. And all he does is pick them up when they're finished. I mean, it is actually fascinating. He takes them for more than a week and he goes, oh, I've had them nonstop. I'm like, no, you really haven't. I've done everything. But anyway, I can't be bothered to fight. But it is, it's so indicative. I'm like, I'm divorced yet. I'm still married. I'm in the exact same position, except he gives me half the money. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't It's really... Yeah, it, it's a very overwhelming situation. And I'm sure if you really, there are so many reasons as to why that relationship didn't work out, right? There's so many, so many that you, you personally hold close to your heart that none of us will ever know, probably. There's so many reasons that continue after being married to this person. Hundred percent. It's like the hundred percent. I see it, and you see other people go, "Oh my God, he's so fun, and he's so lighthearted, and this and that." And they see him out in the club, and I'm like, "Yes, because you're not the mother of his children. No matter mm-hmm. what, I always will be. We will have a different relationship to you 
that you, that you will, because he's just used to me doing everything. And I just have never said no to him. And I think that's the problem. And, you know, I've got, I think women, we have to learn from the very beginning just to put the boundaries in and say no. And I think the one thing about having a younger husband is they're way more malleable. He wasn't brought up where there is a one income household. His parents actually both go to work where, you know, and they have this sort of chauvinistic way of living. And, you know, he loves his mother and his sister and all of this stuff. And as much as it irritates me sometimes, on the other hand, it's like, you know, exactly. But on the other hand, it means that he has an utmost respect. And like, so like today, last night, my daughter was sick. I'm filming, I'm doing God knows what. I mean, my days are crazy. So he did, he, he, you know, he, he slept on the floor so my daughter could sleep in my bed. No, no words. He cooked for my, my sons just now while I was getting ready to do, you know, with all this stuff of housewives tomorrow, he does all that stuff to help me while I, so that I can Mm. run as well as a team. Which is more, which is worth more than money. I love to hear to that. I, I love to hear that because when I ever talk about this topic, inevitably I have someone in the in the comment section or personally say to me, "Well, I mean, it's clear you're not married." And I've been married for over twenty years. I've been with the same man for twenty five, and so marriage. I've made marriage. We have made marriage work for us. We've made it work for us the way you are making your marriage work for you. And that takes a different kind of man and open-mindedness. It also takes a different perspective for women to be able to say, this is what I need. This is what I need to feel like a whole human being in this institution called marriage. And so, so many women are really afraid to, I mean, and just in general, we're really afraid to, to, to put up some boundaries or to say no. You know, I, I always say to people, the first time you say no, it gets easier. I think it that gets comes easier and easier. Well, I think for women that comes with a lack of maybe income. And I think when women go into a marriage or into a relationship where the man has more money than she does, they become subservient straight away. And once you're subservient, it's very hard to go back from there. And, and I think that's how we've, you know, we've been taught by our parents, like there's a rich guy when you get him, you know, obviously don't be a pain. Do, you know, make, make his life easy, rub his feet, cook his dinner. And then you've already, you, you've set yourself this sustainable sort of geisha-like life. Mm. And the power, which is interesting, he's benefiting from the marriage regardless. He's going to live longer just by your presence. You don't have to do anything. I mean, but I, I'm actually, again, fascinated by that. They live longer because they're married. Yeah, they live longer because they're married. And the thing is, is that you hear a lot of men before they're married doing a lot of complaining and while they're married. However, most divorces, guess who who serves the papers? Women. No, I know that. Exactly. Exactly. Men tend Women not to leave because they want an early life. They don't want they, to. They want an easy life. They, they, yeah. Yes. They don't want, why should they leave? So here they are complaining about it because society's taught them that they should. Here they are upset over it, you know, or, or whatever it may be. But meanwhile, they're the beneficiaries of every aspect of it, Caroline. Come on. And then on top of that, women do most of the initiating of a divorce. And then they're upset 
and they're mad, fighting over finances and kids and things like that. And, and that also drives women a little, a little nuts to have to be able to deal with that as well. So marriage doesn't work for them. And then divorce doesn't work for them. And so, so many women today, particularly our younger millennials, our older Gen Zers are like, are we allowed to curse on this? Yeah. Fuck this. I don't want to get married. I don't want to get married. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to live my life like that. And why should we blame them? So this is really a male discussion. It's a discussion that men should be having. How can we help women feel that marriage works for them too? I think the point is to try and get it to, to work for them too, where we don't come across as whiny sort of female. I still want to be an equal. I don't know what time I'm trying to say here. You know, I don't want, I don't need the man to open the bloody door the whole time. I just want, I'll get my own door, but you know, I want to feel that we're going into it. I feel when, when you voice it sometimes men a lot, men sort of go, Oh, there they go again, you know? And instead of like, and moaning about equal, everything, equal rights, all this kind of stuff, obviously I want equal rights, but I also don't need him to trip over himself for me. I can get my own door. I can pull out my own chair. I can pay my own bills. Obviously it's nice to have a guy take you for dinner and vice versa and all of this stuff. But I want to get there on my own merit rather than like, mm. you know, you know what I mean? Oh, well, I don't know course. if I'm saying it the and right way. You're, you're, you're tra- no, you're talking about two different things that we as a society smash together, right? Yeah. So you're just, you're talking about respect. Yes. You're talking about a simple, like if my husband's hands were full of stuff, I'd get the door for him too. Yes. You know, if he's struggling with something, I'm running over to help him. If I'm struggling, he's running over to help me. So we're talking about decency, right? Yes. And I think that's got mixed up. I've got that that's mixed up because just like, oh, there she is. She's got boobs. So let me grab her door. You know, I want it to be because it's natural, not because it's forced, because they're told that's what they have to do today, you know, for us. Mm. I want to be treated the same way as a man is. I want to be able to get the same job and, you know, job perspective. I want to be paid the same. Actually, I had Kat Sadler on last night, you know, 11 years at E! News, and she left because, you know, they didn't, they paid her male counterpart double, you know, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to me. It's the same job. So, you know, all of these things, it's about demanding respect from each other just as much as the man deserves it, the woman deserves it. And I think, Mm. I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I mean, you're talking about something that we don't really talk about enough. And what men don't realize is they don't benefit from this situation. They're not benefiting either they're missing out on their own mental health and why they benefit while they'll benefit from the actual institution of marriage to uphold all of these misogynistic and sexist attitudes it's exhausting. doesn't enable them that doesn't enable them to have a full emotional life you know you hear a man talk about his depression and anxiety and you see a whole room roll their eyes they, they, he has a right to, to, to feel the way he feels. And so equality is about that as well, is about enabling men to have an emotional language, is sharing what they feel inside, their hopes, their dreams, what isn't working for them in the marriage, right? Even though typically they 
they benefit. But there's things that, why are you complaining about your marriage? What could be better? You know, what, what, what is it? What is it that we're missing for you? <laughs> so I think what you're bringing up is a conversation that really needs to be had. And because we're not having that conversation, Caroline, because we're not talking about it in a way that makes sense for men, women are gaining just a little too much power in society. Women are gaining just a little too much of a voice. Sit down, shut the fuck up, and we're going to force you to birth kids now. Yeah, that's the point. It's that sort of angry energy that we're getting, which I don't And I think that's a shame too, because if I was a man, I would be petrified, (laughs) like absolutely petrified where you want to, you want to marry your partner, your friend, your best friend, the person that you can turn to and tell them everything. And like, you know, I love the fact that Sergio will, you know, shows his emotions, wears his heart on his sleeve and somehow us women, I mean, I'm, I'm doing the, the, you know, the show now and somehow they find a way to berate that, that you're not a man. If you show your emotions. You're not a man if you don't, if you work together with your wife. You're not a man unless you go to an office and do, you know, bring home all the bacon. You know, all of these things that women are telling a man they have to do. No, you don't have to do. The world has changed. It's really changed. And yes. I, just as I want to be able to be a bit of a man in today's society, I want my man also to be a man. I don't need to tread on him. Mm, yes. I mean... I I love how you put that in terms of your own relationship with Sergio, that he's more in touch with himself and therefore he's more in touch with you, right? He's more in touch with how he feels and therefore he's more in touch with you. And so when we perpetuate sexist and misogynistic ideas, and I don't like the idea of, of toxic masculinity. I hate that. I think it's a terrible, words matter. Masculinity is never toxic. It's protective, it's loving, it's quality, it's wanting the best for everyone. Like we even have the words fucked up. Wanting your woman to shine is a man. You know, I have my, my son, well, I've got two sons, but one of my sons, every single night, he's like, I love you, mommy. I love you, mommy. I love you, mommy. Like 50 times, no joke, until he sleeps and he's 12 <laughs> and it's so cute. And he'll just, he'll keep running back in. Can I have one more hug? Can I have one more hug? And someone said to me, isn't it a bit much? And I'm like, no, because it's not, I'm not going to tell him to stop. It's so nice that he still wants to do that and that he's, that he feels able to do that. Because you right. know, so many pe- so many children like, oh, you're not going to go up and run over to your mum and give her a kiss, are you? Or, you know, all of these things that we, we instill in our children at such a young age that emo- showing emotion is wrong. Mm, mm. Or showing a very specific kind of emotion is wrong. When men are aggressive and assertive, that somehow is okay, you know, but showing love and affection isn't. Right. And, it, and it's the opposite for women. Right. Like if we even raise our voices, we're angry. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you like you're 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 either a bitch if you're just being assertive. Right. Or if you're just saying it like it is, you know, you got ice in your bones. So we we kind of have this inequality in terms of our emotional health on both ends of the spectrum. So question, since you've said that 
marriage doesn't work for women. Is it women that tend to stray before men then? That is a great question. Now, when we talk about the idea of infidelity, we vilify the behavior so, so much that it closes down a real open discussion of why 40% plus of both men and women have an infidelity in their marriage. That's a high number, Caroline. I actually thought it was higher, to be honest. I think I was- It's 40% it's 40 plus, so I'm being super conservative. 80% of married couples, 80%, both men and women, have reported some form of an infidelity or another. Self-report, right? On a confidential self-report. That's very high, very, very high. And we, when, we, when, I, when I say infidelity of some sort, that means whatever it means to that other person. That might be having a conversation with someone online that might your partner might deem inappropriate. So that's why I've expanded the definition to whatever it really means for you. And so what we're seeing here is not necessarily a divide between the, the sexes. What we're seeing is a pleasure gap, which we never talk about ever that the pleasure gap of sexuality. So 94% of women, and sometimes it's even higher, depending on the research you're looking at. 94%, but higher? That's almost 100% of women cannot orgasm through penetration alone. So most men, as a matter of fact, the majority of men, and the majority of women don't know this. They don't know. We don't talk about female anatomy enough, what it's capable of, what it does, and how to bring pleasure. And so inevitably, I have a couple on my couch, and he says, well, I mean, she doesn't want to have sex anymore. And then I say, because there's nothing in it for her, I guarantee you. And I'm always right. She hasn't orgasmed with him. Not one time. She thought she might have been, but after 10, 15 years of marriage, she realizes, wow, I'm, I'm getting more pleasure on my own. I'm getting more pleasure from my toys. This isn't pleasurable for me because he believes that she comes the way he does. And it's a lie. It's a huge lie. It's perpetuated in movies. It's perpetuated in songs. It is shocking, the pleasure gap that we are seeing. And that is something that we need to talk about, that women don't know their own bodies. We've been told a lie about our bodies. And how do we expect our men to know when we're faking it? Did you know that almost 100% of women have admitted to faking an orgasm in their relationship? Well, I mean, I that's insane. I believe that's that. insane. But I mean, that's because, and I think the way we've been brought up, or most of us have been brought up, that sex is embarrassing and dirty and all of the other things. I think, you know, if you've been in a marriage since you were in your 20s, and you've started that, then you, you know, you, you go straight into a marriage and then you don't really go through that phase of experimenting and having fun and getting to know each other that way because 
it's like it's all a bit sort of embarrassing and sort of fumbly, isn't it? But when you start, when older women start having relationships and, you know, continue, then, you know, you have more, you have more confidence in the bedroom. You know what to ask for. You, We all understand, like, I mean, you know, porn is directed for men and that doesn't help either, really. Teaching a, bo- a man what, what pleases a woman. And I think that, you know, husbands that have been doing the same thing for, you know, I 20 something years, you know, there's, there's just no reason to change. And it's very hard to then say, wake up one day after 15 years and go, I want something completely different because the husband would think, well, what the, you know, what are you talking about? Who are you? Mm, I see what you're saying. And at the same time, can you imagine the pressure that we would take off of men if they realized that we don't come the way you do. You don't got to go after it and jackhammer her because it's not going to help her. It might help you, but it's not going to help her. Or this, you know, size matters. These types of conversations, the pressure that would be taken off of men if they realized that most women come with clitoral stimulation. That's something that needs to change from a very early age, from the way they're taught in school to the way that, you know, parents go through it, frankly, because, you know, this is something that is so basic today for everyone that it should be, it should be taught much earlier on. I am convinced that so much of infidelity comes from the basic biological wants that are not being met on both sides, because marriage now for women has gone from a need to a want, right? We used to need to get married. Now we, it's a want. So the expectations of marriage are now changing. And I shifted gears a little bit because I'm going to move into the sexuality of it all. And so when a need, when, when something shifts from a need to a want, then your desires within that system now matter more too. I don't need this marriage. This is what I want in it. And that boils down to a biological want. And I want to just point out to our our, our listeners that so many times we call it a sex drive. It, it, It isn't a sex drive. It's an incentive motivation system. Your hunger drive, like you have to think of, of your drive as survive. In order to survive, you have to drink, you have to eat. They are drives. Sex, there, is, there isn't a drive. Sex isn't a drive. It's an incentive motivation system, right? So you want to be motivated to have sex with your partner. It's a motivation. And if men and women aren't having the biological pleasure, be equal, one's going to fall out at some point. One or the other is going to fall out at, at some point. And then for most women, what I hear them saying is that they can be someone else in these extramarital affairs. They can be someone else. They get to be someone else because they've been so pigeonholed in their marriage. And with men, what I hear the most is about their sexual desires. Well, of course she doesn't want to have sex with you. You're, she doesn't orgasm. There's nothing in it for her. It's a chore. It's another thing she's got to do. It's like making the beds and going to work. So a lot of these things that we're discussing, if we were able to discuss them openly, 
you know, without blame, without you're wrong, without, with an openness of how can we make partnership? I think that's key. Better. I think blame and judgment. I think, ju- mm-hmm. you know, feel- the fear of being judged by the other person is very, very big for women in this scenario. And, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. If her husband's cheating, she's to blame. She's to blame. And you see this playing out everywhere, by the way. Will Smith gets up and slaps a comedian across the face. It's Jada's fault. She's the narcissistic sociopath. You see this kind of behavior everywhere where women are blamed for the actions of men. And that boils down into the micro. That boils down into your relationship that you will be blamed. It's your fault. He went and for whatever reason, by the way, and a lot of times people, they just can't be monogamous. They just can't be. That's like you either have a monogamous person or you don't. That, that's, that's one theory. But no matter what relationship they're in, no matter how happy they will be, they just have difficulty being monogamous. And in order for us to really look at this behavior that happens to so many people. And I also want to point out that most marriages do survive an infidelity, by the way. They do overcome it. For those that don't, there are other issues happening as well around that. And sometimes when you break trust, you just can't go back. So this, this idea where, we ha- where we're vilifying a behavior that happens so often doesn't enable us to get to the reasoning of why or to be able to shape that marriage shape that relationship into a working system because we're blaming and we're vilifying. Yes. So no one wants to admit it. So all that happens is the one shouting loudest about the person doing it over there is normally doing themselves because they like to shift blame from themselves. So, you know, I agree. Like, I think it should be a conversation. Way too many people are at it. And there are other, I mean, look at Jada and Willer as a good one as well, actually. They took another route, with which was being honest and having their open marriage and saying my family is more important to me. Yet society is so shocked by it that they get, you know, they get a really rough ride for it, which is, it's not the norm. But what is the norm today? It's not done by society, but what is, who is society? And if it works for you and between you and your wife or husband, then who are we to judge? Who makes us the, exactly. the pillar? I mean, they have a family that is intact. We don't know the ins and outs. Like everyone needs to mind their own fucking business. 100%. Mind your own fucking business. Mind your business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just mind your business. And I, I, in order for us to really shift with these new ideas about the institution of marriage, and it is changing, our concepts are changing. However, my fear is that with Roe versus Wade being overturned, that it's going to shut all that down. I mean, we're already seeing women in the limelight or women, not even in the limelight, women, powerful women women who have a voice being shut down already. So it's, it's sad to see that. So as you and I sit here and have these conversations, my hope is that you continue to push these conversations. You continue to talk about this stuff because at every turn, there's going to be this concept of you're not a whole person. Shut the fuck up. I like that whole line. 
mind your own fucking business should be the way we live. Mind your own fucking business. (laughs) Exactly. If it makes other people, if it doesn't get in your way, if it's not, if it's not hurting you, what do you care? If it's something that other people, that's making other people happy and it's their relationship, stay out of it. And I don't know if that's the 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 advent of social media, but you know, Twitter's the new town square where we throw women in front of Twitter and we stone them to death. That's what social media is about. Oh yeah. And that's a sad, sad thing. That's a sad thing. And you're gonna see more of that. You're gonna see more of that. It doesn't matter if you're living in a in a in a in a blue state, if you're an affluent woman, if you're a white woman, it won't matter. The level of sexism and misogyny will touch your life if it hasn't already. So that's, I didn't mean to bring up Roe versus Wade, but it's hard to talk about these topics without really understanding how they connect in all systems Mm. because we're a part of those systems. Mm -hmm. I always wonder whether, you know, people get so busy looking at other people's lives because they're not happy where they are, right? So they just, if somebody else who's chosen a different path is happy and somehow it works for them, you know, maybe it makes them go, well, now I have to look at mine and they're not ready. I I can't decide why this is such a thing, you know, like, I, I, you know, as you said, I'm living, I've just, all I've done is gone out and marry younger, which really isn't, you know, I'm not breaking the mold. If I was a man, no one would, you know, bat an eyelid, frankly, Sergio's old, but like, if I, you know, this way around, it, it's <laughs> shocking. So, you know, and men are just going, oh my God, you know, or, or women are going, how did she get him? Because he's also good looking and he's young. And it's so I wonder whether it's just, you know, or the open marriage thing, you know, I've never had, I want to do a topic on it because I'm fascinated by that. How can it work? Does it work really for other people? But you can't talk about it to other people because no one will ever admit to it. You know, so I'm wondering whether it all comes from their own fears that if we start the conversations, they really actually have to become options. I think that it's hard to have those conversations. Like I said before, if you're a woman, you certainly are going to be, you know, stones are going to be thrown at you for God's sakes. Like you got married, you are in a loving relationship and people throw stones at your marriage. Like it's insanity. It's insane. It's insane. Well, what they do do is they always say he's going to leave me. And I'm like, well, because the older I get, but I'm like, well, I'm, you know, we've been together three and a half years now. You know, what is a, what, what validates a relationship? My ex-husband who's my age could have left me in three and a half years. I'm in a relationship. Mm. I've had, I had an 18 year relationship. You know, if I get 10 years, 15 years out of Sergio, isn't that a relationship? Why does it have to be forever? Exactly. And then on, on top of it, it's they, if the genders were reversed, they wouldn't be saying that. Not in a million years. She's going to leave you when you're old. <laughs> That's not, that doesn't, it, it's like we don't, we don't have those bias. And I almost want to say anger toward men that we think we are allowed to spew toward women. You know, I think in the United States, you're, you're in Dubai. So in the United States, there really is this sense of inhaling, breathing in hopelessness and exhaling rage. And a lot of that rage goes toward the people, not at the top, 
the rage goes, it, 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 it trickles down. And, and that's a sad thing. Yeah, what we're seeing here in the United States is something that I'm 50 that I never thought that I would ever see in my half a century of living. You look amazing. Sure. I mean, thank you, Queen. <laughs> I don't look so amazing today, but thank you very much. Well, oh, I mean, shut up. You're a hot queen. Oh, you're so lovely. Well, I wanted to thank you so much, Dr. Venus. This has been amazing. First of all, there needs to be more women psychologists like you out there because I, I've always sort of thought in therapy for me personally, that they, people sort of sit back without an opinion. And I love your opinion because it's very strong. It's very loud. It's going to shape a generation. And I think it's so important. I hope that I can do that as well alongside you, you know, is, is telling women it's okay to have all of these thoughts. It's okay to want more for ourselves. It's okay mm. to speak our minds in a, you know, very male dominated world right now. And I think it's an incredibly exciting time for us all because we are on a precipice. We are changing slowly, but we're getting there. I mean, I'm living mm. in the Middle East and life has changed a lot in the, even the year I've been, you know, la the last year I've been here like a year ago, I couldn't have even lived with Sergio. So yeah, <laughs> no, but it's, it's, and it's fascinating. So I really think that more people, more women need to have the balls to to speak out and say, you know what, we're not all looking to get married. We're not all looking for a rich husband. We're not all, you know, as you said, just because you sound the way you do and you're as tough as you are, people assume no one would have married you. <laughs> so how could they live with her? Well, what, what, what's, what's interesting, I, I, I know that we're winding down this discussion, but you touched on something. You were saying, you know, not all of us are looking for rich husbands. Not all of us are blah, blah, blah. That is a beauty status exchange that was set up by men. That's, that's all set up by men. So if men don't like that, dismantle that idea. Dismantle that idea that you would exchange your status for beauty. It's called a beauty status exchange. Very hard so, to do. And that's a whole, yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother, that's, that's a whole nother topic. But I, I applaud what you're doing. Keep your voice big. Keep it loud. Because you'll see with, I'm telling you, with where the United States is going in terms of our thoughts about women, women will be more scared to talk out. And you're not, you're, you don't, you don't frighten easily, I can tell. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me. It's been great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind-the-scene action. 